You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So we're going to look at verses 24 through 30 today. Uh, it's the parable, we usually call it the parable of the wheat and the tares, I think is a King James word, or the wheat and the weeds, all right? And uh, so let's just read through that. First of all, I'm going to read from the New International Version, then we're going to pick it apart uh, verse by verse. But Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now, further down the chapter, Jesus explains this parable to his disciples. They ask him about it. He explains it. Um, I want us to, to just begin to, we'll pull this apart and we'll use uh, the descriptions that Jesus gives later in the chapter. So verses 24 through 26, let's read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. All right, so the first thing I want you to notice is that God sows good seed. All right, he went and he sowed good seed in his field. All right, Jesus told us, this is, this is different because we've been, we've been talking about seed time and harvest. Uh, we were talking about the, uh, the parable earlier in this chapter with the different kinds of soil. We talked about that for a number of weeks. In that parable, the seed that was sown was the word of God being sown into our hearts, all right? The word of God. In this parable, Jesus tells us he's not talking about the word of God being sown. He's talking about people as seed being sown into the world, which belongs to God. All right, so the field is the world. The seed is actually people. Some are good seed and some are bad seed. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, your mom might have told you about somebody you wanted to hang out with. Oh, he's a bad seed. You know, it's, a, it's not really that, but it's, it's what is that life? What is that plant? What is that life going to produce? What is it putting out? Is it putting out life and healthy stuff that people can feed on? Or is it putting out evil, death, negative, separate from God stuff? Our lives do put out seed. Our lives put out stuff. We put it out, again, through our activities, through our words, through our attitudes, our thoughts, uh, how we treat people. We sow seed all the time. And, and so the seed here, it isn't the word. It's the children of God planted by God in the earth, planted to produce, to grow up, to produce fruit, and to 
change the world around them, to, to grow up themselves and produce a harvest in themselves, but to sow that seed of God's life out into the world, right? This is our assignment. This is who we are. This is, this is why we're here. And you can expect that as God fills your life with himself, his word, his truths, as he transforms you, he's going to plant you in places that need the same truth that he is putting in you and that he is developing in you. When, when we become good seed for God, when we receive good seed from God, when we are people who receive his word, we receive his presence, we're, we're good with repenting, we're willing to change, our thought life is being changed, we're being transformed, we're growing in him, none of us are perfect, and I don't think any of us are happy with our rate of growth, doesn't matter, you're growing in him, when we have that kind of life, then we become good seed. We become seed that God can plant. And you can expect he's going to plant you in people's lives that need what he is doing in you. You're going to come across situations. You're going to come across conversations. You're going to come across things that, that where what God has been saying to you can be sown into those situations to bring change in them. All right, so, so this is the, the basis of what we're talking about here. And, and he's going to take this out to the point of a final judgment where uh, people will be separated. This parable and many others make it absolutely clear that there is a final judgment and some will be gathered into God's presence and some will be, as it puts here, bundled up and burned. They will be separated from God for eternity. This is a reality. It's a very unpopular message in America today. A lot of people, a lot of Christians are swinging back. This is not the first time, this is probably the millionth time that the, the idea of universalism, that because of what Jesus did, everybody's saved, everybody's going, everybody's good, everybody's, everything's fine, Jesus just loves everybody, and everybody's going to heaven. It's not true. And Jesus didn't teach that. He taught that we have to make decisions in life, that we have to come to know him, given the opportunity. Well, hopefully, if I don't take too long, we'll get to some of that in a little bit, because I know there are questions about that, legitimate questions. But the point is, there is a final judgment. Uh, where there will be a separation. There's coming a day where there will be a separation from those who belong to God and those who do not. And we don't get to choose that, okay? I mean, we get to choose our life, but we don't get to choose who gets to go and who doesn't. It's not going to be a, a vote, okay? Um, so then the scripture goes on and says, while everyone was sleeping, so, so God sowed this good seed. He always sows good seed. He doesn't sow bad seed. He always sows good seed, all right? And, and so while everyone was sleeping, all right, the New Testament tells us over and over and over and over that we need to be people who stay awake and aware, all right, that because there's an enemy roaming around that wants to destroy people's lives. And he's a liar and he's a thief. And we, the church, are here to stop his progress. We are here with the authority of Jesus, with the blood, with the name, with worship, with all of these things to destroy the works of the enemy, just like Jesus did. All right, so we don't want to be asleep because when the church is asleep, bad things happen. All right, but while everyone was sleeping, all right, an enemy came in and sowed bad seed among the good seed. All right, and then, and then it says, went away. 
All right? So the scripture tells us, stay awake, stay aware. You have an enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, which means nobody has to be the whom that can be devoured. It's, it's, it, the devil doesn't have any authority in our lives that we don't give him, okay? As a Christian, uh, he just doesn't have that authority, all right? And, and you need to take him seriously, but don't put him on the level of God. He's a liar. He's a good liar, though. He's, he's good at lying, and he, and he has been doing this for a long time with human beings. So he, he does know how to get into our thought life and, and sow bad seed and, and mess with our lives. But as long as we're sharp and we're aware, um, we don't have to have that going on in our life. So this enemy, and it says it's his enemy. It's God's enemy. All right. Some of you grew up in situations where you were told that, oh, Satan's just... God's little errand boy. God just sends him on little errands to get into people's lives. No, Jesus always declared him an enemy. Jesus always opposed him. Jesus said that if a kingdom is divided like that, it's going to fall. His kingdom is not divided. Jesus told us in John 10.10, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. Satan comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. All right. So he says, no, this is his enemy that came and did, and did this. This wasn't God testing people, using the devil. To, it wasn't any of that stuff, all right? This scripture says this was God's enemy that came to sow bad seed into the earth, all right? Which again, that seed is not just thoughts. It's actually people. This is, I, this is kind of hard for some of us to swallow because we live in this weird culture that doesn't accept this kind of thing. There are people that will be sent into your life to sow bad, evil, untruth, contrary to God's stuff into your life. And we're gonna, we'll probably talk about this a little more in a minute. It really takes wisdom to know who do I minister to to get them out of that so that they can become good wheat, okay? And who do I need to just stay away from? And there, there are a lot, there's a lot that goes into that. I can't go into it in depth. But I mean, we have to be wise to know that because we're sent into the world. We're not sent to just hang out in church with other Christians, right? We all get that. But at the same time, there are some people that are just bad news for your life. It might be because of where your heart is today and things you're susceptible to that maybe in a few years you won't be susceptible to. But there are people that will come and a lot of them are in, they have real pretty little sheepskins on and they will come in all white and fluffy and draw you into negative things. And you've got to be mature enough at times to stand up and say, this relationship has got to end, at least for now. You can still pray for them. You can always intercede for people, but you don't need to be listening to their stuff, closely associated with them. You definitely don't need to fall in love with them, okay? You definitely don't need to be hanging out and getting close and building that kind of relationship with them. And it does, it takes wisdom. And I think all of us always struggle because it's like, I know Jesus wants to reach this person's life. You know, so Lord, what is my role here? But then do what he says. It'll be okay. He's in charge. Uh, it'll be okay. All right, so it talks about these weeds being planted. What this is, is a plant that they call Darnell. And it's a plant that looks just like wheat when it's growing. It looks the same. 
So again, this, this, would, this would speak of people that look the same, you know, on the outside. But the wheat, of course, is, produces something good to eat, something you can feed on, something that uh, is harvestable. Darnell produces, at the end, it produces a black poisonous seed. But it looks just like wheat right up until, right at harvest time, then you can tell the difference. And, and so that's why while they're growing together, you can't necessarily tell the difference, all right? God knows, but you can't necessarily tell the difference, nor is it always up to us to know the difference, not always. But at the end, it produces a black poisonous seed, all right? So as different areas, you know, and, and again, sad to say, some people are poisonous in your life. You know, it is sad to say, but it's true. Some people, it's a poisonous relationship and you need to cut it off and let God deal with them in a different way, okay? I don't know, that just came up and I feel like it's important for somebody today. All right, so let's go on. Verses 27 and 28. The owner's servants, I love, <laughs> I love this. The owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? And he says, an enemy did this. All right? So here's the deal. They're coming with the same question people come all the time. God, if you're good, why do bad things happen? If you're good, why is there sickness in the earth? Why do good people get sick and die? If your God is as good as you say, all right, then I have this friend. He was a young guy, great guy, best guy I ever knew, and he got cancer and he died. Okay, that's what they're asking. Sir, if you, you say you sowed good seed in your field, this is your fault, obviously, that there's weeds out here. What is going on? People ask that question all the time. And again, you know, we get this, we get this in so many forms all the time. If, if you're good, if God's good, then why isn't everything good? Okay, and you guys know the answers that I give you. Number one, this is planet Earth. We are living in a fallen planet. This, what we're living in right now is not as good as it is. It's not God's original design. None of it is as good as God designed it to be before the fall of man, before sin entered into the earth and death with sin. And again, that means all the miseries that arise from that separation from God, all of that that we see, every, you, can, you, know, you can name a thousand forms of it, None of that was God's original design. That wasn't his plan. And that's not what heaven looks like, right? It's not what heaven looks like, okay? So, so we live in that earth. And then there are at least five sources of influence. I'll just give them to you again. We talk about this from time to time. We have God's will that is, that is being done in the earth. So that's out there, okay? We have an enemy. We have the devil roaming around until Jesus comes back, until he is completely removed. We're supposed to be enforcing the, what Jesus purchased at the cross, but it's not going to be perfect until this whole thing is done. All right? So you have a devil out there trying to steal, kill, and destroy from people's lives. And sometimes it's, it's the devil. Sometimes it's human choice that is not led by God. God did give us free will. And when we exercise it a lot of times, we exercise it apart from godliness and it causes bad things in the earth. So sometimes it's just human choice. Sometimes it's what I call natural law, you know, like gravity. 
you know, you, you drive off Monarch Pass, you fall to the bottom and die. That's not God, and that's not the devil necessarily. It's gravity, okay? It's gravity and choice, you know? And as harsh as that sounds to us, you know, and I can think of so many examples. I don't want to, I've taught you this a lot of times. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. So many examples where someone did something foolish. I've done lots of foolish things, okay? Did something foolish, put their lives in a difficult place, their life ended, and people blame God. It was their choice and gravity or momentum or the lack of it when two cars ran into each other. You know, it was, it was some combination. The fifth influence is a combination of a couple of those. There are all those things going on. So it's not, sir, if you planted good seed, how come everything isn't good? Where's, where's this, where is this stuff coming? And, and God's, God's answer here, oh, and I wanted to say that. I just heard this the other day. I thought it was so good. It's very simple. Never blame God for what man does. Something man did by his own free will, don't blame God for that. He has given us free will. Well, why did he do that? If he's so good, why did he give us free will? Because he didn't. He designed us to be partners. He gave us stewardship over the earth. He gave us authority over the earth, which we immediately turned over to the devil. And Jesus took it back, and now he gave it to us. And so this whole thing has gone on. But he, he designed us to be partners. He didn't build us to just be robots. He didn't build us. He wanted a family, okay? And it was worth it to him. And, and so this is, you know, um, we ask these questions, you know, and God gives, I love it. God gives this really simple answer. They ask this big question. What to us is a big question. If you're good, why is this stuff going on? He says an enemy did this, period. Then he gives them the solution, tells them what to do, what's going to happen. But it's just an enemy did this. We ask these why questions, and I don't know about you, I almost never get an answer to a why question, or I get an answer like that, which is sufficient, or, or he would have said more. An enemy did this. Now, here's what you need to do. Period. It's that simple. That doesn't answer. I find that why questions and when questions a lot of times don't get answered. And I think it's for faith, for faith's sake, so that we will continue to walk with God and trust him, not always knowing why. Sometimes we find out. Not always knowing why, not always knowing when. Okay, I've, got, I've gotten, I mean, I've been doing this for a while and I've finally gotten in myself where I ask a lot less. I rarely ask those questions because I never get answers to them. And, and the point is, what does it matter? You just need to keep doing, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to do what I left you here to do till the day I come for you, period. He keeps it really simple. So he just says, you know, why, why, why? An enemy did this, all right? And then he goes on and he starts to give them the solution. I think the reason a lot of people, I wanna get off of this, I think the reason a lot of people feel they're uncomfortable with that. They, they think that they, be, they believe what I believe is just an absolute religious lie that God micromanages every, everything that happens in the earth. God, it's God's will one way or another. You know, there are a lot of people that believe that. I think 
that for maybe not all, but a lot of people that are okay with that, it's because if they were in God's place, they would micromanage everybody. They would keep control of every thought and every choice that anybody ever made. Honestly, because they're too insecure to let other people, you see it in their life, they won't let other people be make mistakes and be other people around them either. They're wanting to control or manipulate what everybody is doing. God doesn't do it. He just doesn't. So we live in the midst of a lot of negative stuff. But at the same time, there's good seed growing. The kingdom is going to be like this until Jesus comes back. Both things are going to be coming up at once. All right, verse 28 and 29. And so then the servants, the next thing is, do you want us to fix it? You know, God, we see you made this mistake. And, you know, there's a bunch of bad seed out here. You know, they, do you want us to go pull them up? Do you want us to go? <laughs> Remember, these are people in this parable. These are good and evil people. It's so funny that even saying that these days, I know there are people that cringe at that thought. Our culture is messed up these days. Anyway, everybody's redeemable. You get what I'm saying, right? Jesus died for everybody, but we have a choice. Anyway, these are people, and they're asking, okay, you, you kind of blew it here. Should we go out and rip them up? Should we rip them out of the ground? Should we end their existence for you? And, and he, gives, he gives another, his, the first part, he says, no. Okay, there's another, no, this is not yours. Ripping them out of the ground is not yours, okay? And he, and he says, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. So we're going to, and I didn't say this at the beginning, I was going to tell you, you know, last week we got to talk about sin and repentance. This week we get to talk quite a bit about judgment, okay? <laughs> it's, it's good stuff. So, you know, they asked you, basically, do you want us to go out and fix it? Should we determine which people need to be rooted up and thrown away? You know, that's, we can go out and do this for you, God. And he tells them no, because... While you are out there trying to tear people out that you think are bad and and get rid of them, you're going to ruin a bunch of innocent people. When we enter into the wrong kind of judgment as Christians, we hurt innocent people. We ruin innocent people. All right? And so what we do need to understand, there is judgment that we are given, all right? And, and that word means to discern or distinguish between good and evil. We are given that authority to know good from evil, to choose good and reject evil, okay? We are given that judgment. In fact, we're commanded, uh, we're commanded to judge prophecies, we're commanded to, because we have the Holy Spirit in us now. You, you didn't do that in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, if there was a prophecy and it was wrong, they stoned them. That was a bad day for prophets back then. A lot of times they just didn't like it, they stoned them. But that wasn't what God told them to do. Thank goodness we're not there anymore. But, but um, 
we have the Holy Spirit in us who will discern, I was going to say discriminate in that sense between good and evil. And we are to cling to good and flee from evil, all right, in our lives. So we have to be able to know that. We have to, we're told to recognize the fruit, right? We're told we, we can recognize fruit and know that fruit is a product of whatever life is in the person. Doesn't mean we have to reject the person, but we do have to know that's not good fruit coming out of that person's life. Maybe a brother or sister, maybe somebody else, that's not good fruit. I'm not going to eat it. I'm, I'm not going to be a part of it. That's, I'm not going to go buy it. I'm not going to bring it home, put it in the refrigerator. It's bad fruit. And it's coming from, the fruit is always the outward evidence of the life that's on the inside. That's what fruit is. And so it's coming from something on the inside of them. So we can begin, we can follow the pattern uh, that Jesus teaches in another, pa another parable where there was no fruit coming from a tree and the owner said, hey, go cut it down. And the gardener said, no, let me dig around it for another year and fertilize it and water it and take care of it. Let's see if we can get some fruit out of it. I believe that's the heart of God toward people. But so there is judgment that we are given in that sense, okay? So, so when people just say, when people, when you recognize evil, in the earth. Evil attitudes, evil laws, evil uh, agendas that people are pushing. When you recognize that and somebody says to you, oh, you're judging. Yeah, you're doing the kind of judging you're supposed to do as long as you're not condemning the source, as long as you're not condemning the people. That's what we're not given the right to do is judge, another word that means to pass final sentence. That only belongs to God. And the reason is because God can love completely and judge perfectly at the same time, and we can't. We cannot juggle that. So we don't get to do that. But, but, but that is just, it irritates the crud out of me. I see that so much. Oh, well, you're judging. Oh, you're judging. Christians aren't supposed to judge. We are supposed to recognize good and evil. Cling to one, reject the other. All right? We are supposed to do that. And we don't always stand by and not say anything about it. It's that line where we get over into saying the people. Con condemnation means we're declaring them unfit for use. We're declaring them worthless. We're declaring them, you know, there's just no redemption for them. It, we don't get to go there. We do not get to go there. Sometimes we separate. We don't have a relationship there sometimes, Okay. But we do not take that attitude and go out there and declare. And that's, man, that's hard. That's hard for us, you know, to not move over into hating somebody, to not move over into... And, and a lot of times, because you see the damage that that philosophy is doing, whatever it is, you know. So anyway, there's a lot to that. But there's judgment we're given, judgment we're not. We don't get to go rip them out of the ground and throw them away to be burned, okay? That's, that's not ours. It also does not mean we should never stand for righteousness and oppose unrighteousness. We are supposed to do that. We're supposed to be a light, which is going to conflict with darkness, you know? So how do I do all that? You pray, okay? You need to know the principles and you need to pray because really it takes wisdom and especially we have way too much communication in this culture. We have way too much that's put at us. And so we all get mad about it and we're fighting with people and we're doing, you know, we need to step away from some of that. And we are not, when we condemn people, we damage innocent people, okay? When you're, if you're gonna go out there and root them up, uh, you're, you're going to, 
ruin them, and you're going to ruin good people. Affirming people's sin is not love. It doesn't help them for us to say that sin is not sin. And that's what we're being encouraged to do now. That's what it's called judgment if you recognize that something is sin. And the reason we're going to, it's the same, you know, your little kid runs out into that road after church and is out there on the highway and the cars are going by and we're supposed to sit there and say, oh, that's okay, darling. I wouldn't want to hurt your feelings. You know, you just stay out there. We're not supposed to go rescue that kid and pull him out of there. It's because we believe sin ruins lives. So again, we don't, want, we don't need to be condemning about it. We don't need to be hateful and ugly about it. Absolutely. But we need to recognize good from evil. And, and pretending that sin isn't sin doesn't help anybody's life. It's not love. I don't believe it's love. God doesn't do it. I don't, God tells us very clearly what sin is and then looks to lift us out of it, right? Uh, so in this, um, just two examples of this, Luke chapter 9. They're both in Luke chapter 9. At one point, the disciples bragged to Jesus that they told somebody to quit casting out demons because that person wasn't a part of their group, okay? And Jesus said, no, don't do that, you know, that if they're, they're either for us or against us, if they're, if they're with us, doesn't matter that they're not part of your little clique, okay? Don't go rooting them out. Don't go telling them they can't do that. The second one is when they you know, you know the story. They, there were some people that were opposing Jesus. And so the disciples actually asked Jesus, should we call down fire on him? You know, and, and he said, no, you don't know what spirit you're of. That's not the spirit of your father. But that comes up in us. Okay, God, here I am. You want us to go out and rip them out? Want us to go out and call down fire and burn them up? Lord, we'll do it. We can take care of it. Okay. So our job is never to decide who's in and who's out that comes later. And here's what he says about it. He says, let both grow together until the harvest. Okay, there's coming a day when that separation is going to happen. But he says, at that time, at the proper time, I will tell the harvesters. I won't ask you to vote on it. I will tell the harvesters. All right, I will, God will. First, collect the weeds, tie them up into bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring that into my barn. So, you know, let them grow together. There, we just need to stop struggling over it. There's, all, there's always going to be good and evil in the earth until this whole thing is wrapped up. All right. Um, that harvest time is a day that the Bible calls the day of wrath. It calls the day of judgment. There are several judgments in the Bible. I'm going to try and go through this really quick with you. I want to give you a few points on the nature of God's judgment. And then I also want to let you know, and I'm just going to say it right now. This, is, this parable is talking about the final judgment, what, uh, what we see as in the book of Revelation, the great white throne judgment. All right, there are a couple of judgments prior to that. I'm not going to go through all of that. I do want you as Christians to understand this is not your judgment. Your judgment was done the day you made Jesus the Lord of your life. The wrath of God for sin was already poured out on Jesus. And now anyone who receives what he did at the cross, you don't go to that judgment. The judgment that we will face that Paul talks about is called the judgment seat of Christ. And the terminology that's used in all those passages is completely different than the great white throne judgment. The, 
the judgment seat of Christ, they use the Greek word bema for judgment seat. It was actually, you know, the podium at the Olympics where they have the people get up and receive their rewards at the end. That's the word for the judgment seat of Christ. It is a judgment for rewards. It's not a heaven and hell judgment. You, that's already done for you. You're, if you made Jesus Lord of your life. Your, life, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. This final judgment isn't going to be about what somebody looks like. It's not going to be about uh, all of these other things. It's going to be about, do they know the Lord? Do they have a relationship with the Lord? Or do they not? It's going to be that simple. Okay? And only God gets to make that judgment. Only God knows the hearts of all these people. All right? But your judgment, Paul talks about it. It's, it's like he says that, we do things in the earth. Uh, some of them are birthed by the Spirit of God in us, and, and a lot of them are not, right? They just come from us. And, and he compares that day of judgment for us as coming through, and, and it's like the things that were done by the Spirit of God in and through us, those are uh, gold, silver, and precious stones, he says. Paul compares them to gold, silver, and precious stones. And then the things that were just out of our flesh, done in the flesh, done apart from the Spirit of God, not even necessarily sin, just dead works, just dead stuff. He compares that to wood, hay, and stubble. And he says, and judgment is often compared to, it's the term fire is used in the Bible about, about uh, judgment. So we come through this judgment seat of Christ, and it's like we pass through a fire. The, the gold, silver, and precious stones go through with us. And we carry those in, and those are rewards that we'll have in heaven. And that's why it's the reward seat. It's the reward stand of Christ. The, the other stuff that we had gets burned away. So we don't even take that in. We don't get punished for it. Yeah, don't spend time in purgatory for it. You know, it's a great ski resort, but you don't spend time there. Um, you know, you, you go through and you carry through that which is rewarded. I mean... How fair is that? It's not. It's grace. It's, it's God's blessing. It's, it's because really, what are we going to do with all that stuff anyway? I think we're going to throw it all at the feet of Jesus. It's all him. It's all him. Our redemption is him. Anything good that gets produced in us, it's him. And that's not just a little Christian thing to say. It really is him. So, so that's the Christian judgment in very basic terms for you. So when we're talking about this judgment, the great white throne judgment, this is a final separation between those who belong to God and those who do not. Okay? The, the, the judgment seat of Christ, just to give this to you, it is not about heaven and hell. You will already be in heaven when you go through that judgment. Okay? Heaven and hell is decided by making Jesus the Lord of your life. All right. Now, let me give you these real quickly. I've only got five minutes left. Guess if I'll go over a couple minutes. No, I'm, I'm going to really work on this. All right. So let me, I'm just going to give these to you really fast. You can look them up. You can do more study on them. Uh, the book of Romans chapter two lays out a number of principles about God's judgment, what his judgment is like. Okay. So first of all, in Romans 2, 2, it says that God's judgment is based on truth. All right, that means reality as God knows it. That's another reason we don't, he looks at the heart, he judges the heart. Okay, we see the outside. We might see a little bit in the heart. We don't get the, to do this kind of judgment. It's based on truth, all right? 
So it's not based on anybody's opinion, anything like that. It's based on truth, and only God knows that truth. All right? Romans 2.4, God's judgment never precedes his kindness. It says his kindness is there to lead us to repentance. All right? So in this section on judgment, God's judgment, it tells us that there's an opportunity for repentance. God's judgment never precedes kindness, reaching out to people. He's sending the rain once in a while. We need more uh, on the good and the evil. You know, you know the story. God is showing himself kind to everybody, whether they're recognizing it or not. Romans 2.5, God's judgment is not yet fully revealed or understood, all right? But it does say throughout the scripture that we will, when we see it, when we really see it, we will marvel at its beauty and purity. So we're not going to stand there and go, wow, I don't think that was fair. Annie, what do you think about that one? I think that one should have gone the other way. We're not going to do any of that. We're going to absolutely marvel at the purity of God's judgment, okay? Um, but it's not yet fully revealed or understood. So if we pretend we understand everything about it, we, we just don't, okay? Romans 2, 6 through 8, God's judgment is according to deeds. That does not mean that we can be saved by doing good works, okay? You always got to compare scripture with other scripture, right, to get the truth. So uh, Jesus taught, though, that fruit indicates the nature of the tree, okay? So the way deeds play into it, is deeds, some of them, God's the judge, some of them indicate what's the nature of the tree. The judgment is going to be about the nature, the true nature of the life. There are going to be people we don't think should get in because we didn't see good in their life that God knows knew him. There are going to be other people, apparently, that did all kinds of works in his name even, but never knew him, never had the relationship with him. All right? Only God. Okay, only God knows the heart, only God can do that. But it is, it says it's according to deeds. Romans 2.11 says that it is without favoritism. Okay, God doesn't play favorites. Him accepting people who gave their life to Jesus, that's not playing favorites. The wrath of God for our sin was real. It was poured out on Jesus. We are not appointed, the Bible says, unto wrath to experience it because Jesus took it for us. He was our, so it was fair. It was just. It wasn't like he just said, oh, okay, that's good. Then just, just step over here. We'll pretend you don't. No, that wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ. All right. And this is actually called a day of wrath. Is that the last one? No, according to, I don't even have it here. Uh, oh yeah, here it is. 12 through 16, Romans 2, 12 through 16, God's judgment will be according to light or revelation that a person has. All right, so here's where the big question comes in. What about somebody who never heard the gospel? What about somebody who never heard the gospel? Well, this says there's going to be an element there of light or revelation. We're responsible for what we have had revealed to us, then we're responsible to live according to that and to pursue that. I believe, and you may disagree with me, that there will be people, well, disagree with the book of Romans because I, I'm not going to go to all of it, but it talks about conscience after this. And it talks about there are some people who don't have the law, but in their heart, they have, there's a law unto themselves. It doesn't mean they made it. It means they're living as if they knew the law 
you know, or the word of God, but they didn't. But their conscience is saying, murder's wrong. Don't, don't steal. Don't covet what your neighbor has. Their conscience is doing it, and they're living according to that conscience. They're not violating their conscience, you know, and, and it says they will be judged on the basis of that conscience. I believe that applies to people who never hear the gospel. If you never heard of Jesus, never heard of Jesus, I don't believe God's going to say, well, you didn't accept Jesus, so you're out. I don't. That's not his nature. It ain't going to happen. So I don't know the full answer to what all that's going to look like because it hasn't all been revealed yet, okay? But the scripture, if you read there through Romans 2 and just think about the things that are said there, it makes it clear there are some variances in this. I don't think that lets anybody get away with anything. I think people that, have, that know about Jesus need to accept Jesus. It's a big deal for their eternity. It's the biggest deal. It's the biggest deal really for their life now. But for those who have never heard, people get all bent about that, you know, and, and real concerned about that. What's going to happen to them? Well, I don't know exactly, but God, it's going to be fair it's going to be pure. It's going to be according to truth. It's not going to be with favoritism. All those other things are going to apply and God's going to work that out because it's not my responsibility. It's just not my responsibility. Okay. I don't know how that's going to work out. I'd say if you have the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life, do it from your heart. Say, Jesus, I accept what you did at that cross on my behalf and I will follow you as Lord. I give my life to you. And you may not even know what all that means right now today, but it's a simple prayer with the most, the most profound results that you'll ever pray in your life. And if you're out there or if you're in here today and you've never made that commitment, I encourage you, make that commitment. He will walk it out with you. What's that going to mean about this? What's that going to mean about that? I don't know, but he does, and he has good for you. He has a great life plan for you. He doesn't have any evil plan for you. His plans for you, his thoughts towards you, they're all for good. So make that commitment. Just say it. Just, just abandon your life to him. You don't, and don't, I just, I just got to go on with this. Somebody's thinking, well, then I've got to be like this. I got to be like those Christians. I don't think they're very cool. You probably need to get rid of some of that, but you probably don't have to be like those Christians. Not like that. Not in that sense. It's not a cookie cutter deal. It's not, there are things going to change in your heart. Here's the deal. You will become like Christ. Not necessarily like all the Christians. We're not like each other. I'm not like hardly any pastors, you know, for good or for worse, it's the way it is. And I had to deal with that early on. I struggled with, oh man, you're calling me that. I don't, I don't look like that. I don't dress like that. I don't want to dress like that. I don't, dressing was a big deal. Don't make me wear a tie, you know? And, you know, I mean, silly things, but still it's like, I don't think I fit in. Well, let Jesus work on your life. He's got a special place for you. But the point is, you want to be on that day, you want to go through the judgment seat of Christ. You don't even want to come to this day, okay? But if you're, but if you're going to come to this day, you need to be wheat. You need to be the one that gets gathered into his barn. Does that make sense? All right, let's just pray together. Father, Lord, I thank you for this word. 
And I do ask you, we all struggle, Lord, about, well, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but we have questions, Lord, about your judgment, what it's like. I just ask you, Father, to bring peace and to answer some of those specific questions. Lord, and the ones that is just not our place to know, then give us peace about that. And Father, for anybody that's hearing this, whether it's today or in the future, I just pray we all right here in Gunnison, Colorado, we agree with them and pray for them to be able to make that commitment of their life to Jesus Christ, to turn over the Lordship to Jesus Christ and to accept what he did on the cross that will purify them, that will bring them into right relationship with you. And then they can begin to grow and change just it can be discipled by you and change on your schedule and in your way through your word. And I just, I just pray that, Father, we agree together, Lord. We pray that people are coming to Christ right now through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Yep, five minutes over. Oh, well, you'll live. You guys have cinnamon rolls and coffee. Don't even be looking at us starving in here. Those people out there. No, not you people. No, we're all sacrificing to be here. It's those people out there in their pajamas. All right, stand up. Let's be dismissed. The kids are going to come back in here. We'll see how that works. And we'll open up those doors. You guys can go out that way. Really good seeing everybody today. So let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. See ya. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.